Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of Movies and Tea. I'm your host as always, Elwood Jones, and joining me, of course, is our connoisseur of the sweet meat, Miss Kim Lowe. <laughs> Hello. Uh, tonight we are talking about 2016's Raw, a French body horror uh, directed by Julia Ducomondu. <laughs> I'm going to apologise if I mispronounce that. Julia Ducomondu, no. See, it's in my head. It sounds like I'm saying it right, but you're probably saying it completely wrong. So, but uh, yes, uh, tonight is uh, we are delving into some body horror as uh, we follow a young vegetarian as she starts her first year at veterinary school, and during a honoured honoured hazing stunt, finds herself with a much darker craving. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we continue our season if you've been following us on this season we are celebrating female directors of whose work is is who are out there producing exciting work and certainly as we come now to 2016's raw uh this is certainly a film which had a lot of buzz when it came out it was uh heavily marketed to the gorehound fans as the movie ever just in the fact that it came quite a few years after the big wave of uh, extreme French cinema which we have with the new extremity movement uh, but certainly with with um, her work um, as I said she's both a director and a screenwriter Raw being her probably her most best known work and basically when it came to it comes to filmmaking she saw that horror films as general have always been kind of like this boys club and that they were always sort of directed, you know, made for males, directed by males, and always had this very stereotypical view of how they portrayed. And basically, when she set out to make Raw, she wanted to really sort of push back against these usual assumptions of what horror is. And I think certainly by taking on the body horror genre, it's certainly making a statement for yourself as a horror director. I mean, this is probably a playground best known for like sort of for the work from the likes of Cronenberg, who, let's not forget his films of like the 80s and things such as, you know, like Videodrome and... Um, I've completely lost my chair for now. And, and Crash, I mean, he's certainly really sort of set a very high bar. So for a new director, especially as such an unknown talent, to come in and make such a huge waves in the in the genre was certainly un unexpected. And I think he really only helped to get this film more noticed than it is. But at the same time, this is a film which goes a lot deeper than just being about cheap shocks and gore, as we will certainly get into as we explore the film a bit deeper. But um, Kim, I mean, this was a first time watch for yourself, I'm right, Sam? Yeah, it is. I mean, body horror is not usually my um, choice of horror movies. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's uh, it's certainly got that icky connotation to it, and it's all like, yeah, I don't really want to lose my lunch. I just want to be a little creeped out, and it it's so hard to do it well, especially when we look at like the current crop of shockmeisters out there who are just like think that you throw enough disgusting things at the screen that it somehow cancels horror and you only need to look at the work of like Tom Six with his human centipede uh, saga to know uh, to see that really but I think certainly with when it comes to Raw it's something a little different I'd like to say and uh, certainly more in tune with Cronenberg's idea of what body horror is than uh, 
than what these, uh, as I said, the more edge meisters are they're trying to put out. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Raw is a different type of movie. I mean, there are very few horrors that I've seen, um, like body horror genre, that has actually been just, you know, it, it, they're, like, you really have their, their lead, um, the main character really going through some psychological problems, technically. I mean, that's what you can say about her, right? So this opens up this entirely new craving and, and this new type of, I mean, I guess heightened senses, uh, of everything, I think. She seems to be so much more aware of the things around her, obviously not in the way that people would, you know, regard <laughs> as normal, since, I mean, essentially what she's fallen into is cannibalism, right? Um, yeah, essentially that's that, that's the uh, gist of what we're looking at tonight, so. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a whole, like, it's not just one phase that she goes through, right? I mean, from the first moments, and you just kind of watch her character unravel, and you can see not only is it her own personal unraveling, but she, you also see, um, you know, from her, how that changes the dynamic between her and her sister, with her and her roommate, which is very weird, that is a gay guy. <laughs> I don't know how rooming works in France, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a little wild when you think about it. The whole story has all these different cues, and if you think about, like, if you think about right down to even the parents and everything, they all come into play into the plot at one point, and it's it's. It's you know it, it's an it's a wild ride. <laughs> I think that's the best way I can put it. Certainly so. I mean, we're obviously introduced to Justine, who's our is our lead here. She's a lifelong vegetarian, and she's kind of like the virginal beauty here, played by a uh, Garen Samarilinia. And right from the start, I mean, she's in she's. It's almost like got this childlike quality to her. She's wearing like you know the the cute little top, and uh, she freaks out when she finds like a piece of sausage in her mash. Um, at, uh, when her and her parents stop at their vet, sort of like a service station to have a meal, as they're going to drop her off at veterinary school, and it's a, it's like this overwhelming like experience for her to like even have meat anywhere near her. She just completely freaks out, and they're like. Her mother like storms off and uh, makes it, treats it like if someone had been suffered like a food allergy and like they've been given nuts, for example, and they're allergic to nuts. And you just um, think when she's like, and she's think, God, wow, these are just really strict vegetarians. And it sort of really plays in well in the fact that when we get into the veterinary school where her sister Alexa is already currently attending and her parents. Her, her sort of like these legacy students there as well so she's going in with all this expectation placed upon her already to be one of the top students and right from the start the senior students uh, waste no time in hazing the newbie students and part of the hazing ritual basically sees them being these uh, newbies being bathed in blood and being forced to eat raw rabbit rabbit's kidneys which Justine initially like refuses, but they basically her sister points out to her, you know, that everybody does this is tradition, everybody does it, and being a vegetarian's got nothing to do with this, so 
she goes along with it and it's sort of from that moment on that we start to see the change happening in Justina's just eating raw rabbit can these really awaken something in her to say the least so <laughs> well it awakens food poisoning first before it gets worse <laughs> well that's what the doctor thinks it is because she has this horrible skin rash which is the first of our body horror if you're not obviously not old, um, if you're not screamish and shocked by the sights of university students being showered in blood carry style um, she has a, has like what what the doctor thinks is like food poisoning and she has this like itchy rash which causes her to have all this like um peeling skin removed which is a little icky but i love the fact that when the doctor finishes doing uh removing the skin from her she sparks up she's there smoking cigarettes something like again this is the french healthcare system where we still smoke in in doctor surgeries it's it was kind of cool <laughs> but, <laughs> but kind of wrong at the same time to see this doctor like smoking away and just sort of like wow this would not happen in the uk well i mean at the same time i think the main the main thing not only is it that but it, it's really what the what the lady talks about right what the doctor talks about as as okay. she's doing this you know the conversation i feel like has some kind of impact to to what happens after that yeah, I mean, when when she talks about it, she she I think she she questions her about, you know, sex and then, you know, whether she's had it, whether how protected she is. And she talks about, you know, um I can't remember exactly what it is anymore. Cuz she talks about the about the previous previous term there was um uh Yeah, a, the a the fat girl, right? Girl who was being passed around the interns and they were saying they couldn't find the the veins in her and I I really felt that story was going somewhere that uh, we were going to find something out about this this girl, but it never really comes to anything. It's just this really random story. I but don't know. I, I I honestly think the story had a little bit more. I think it just meant it just talked about being. It talks a little about being different and kind of like how to kind of be sane in 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 a situation where you know things are really like people are being very tough on you type of thing. Because, I mean, you know, her rash is not some, like, simple rash. She had, like, a pretty serious rash that surprisingly went away fairly fast. <laughs> That's true. Um, but, again, I mean, do we link the fact that her rash disappears because shortly after this she starts consuming meat? Pretty much, right. So is this the link here? Is it the fact that because this... The, the fact she's always been secretly craving meat um, is that her body's now reacting. The shedding of the skin is the supposed to be this like symbolism for her changing. Yeah, just often like seen, lizards, like, you know, shedding your original skin and then. Yeah, I mean, certainly we've seen the use of uh, of girl female characters having their period as this mark of awakening power in it. We saw it in Ginger Snaps. We've seen it in the new craft. Uh, the trailer for the new version of the craft mm. um, this blossoming womanhood uh, shown symbolizing the change and certainly in this case it's just the shedding of skin it's the you know the shedding of this former virginal vegetarian self and she's becoming something new uh, but obviously what that is is still really un it's very unclear at the moment and it's just sort of like her struggling to deal with these this situation i think also the fact that she's she's in this really sort of full-on environment this veterinary school where 
I mean, for myself, the veterinary school segments are just as fascinating as what's happening in the story. As we see, like, horses being uh, sedated and we see dogs being um, dissected and stuff. And it's like, this has to be, like, the most well-funded veterinary school in the world, for a start. (laughs) But you're, like, you walk in a lecture studio and they're they're, there doing, like, an ultrasound on a cow. Um, It's just really fascinating stuff that we were seeing throughout this film. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, the school's kind of a mystery because if you think about it, all these students, they're they're kind of like halfway, they're, they're in class, but they're also being involved in this rush week type of deal. So they go into some of these classes, they're going to lunch, they're going, and they're like covered in blood or they're, oh, yeah. or they're like, you know, something, you know, she, she, she doesn't, whatever, she talks back to one of the whatever elders, quotation, air quotations right now I have, and then... And then, you know, just because they, she talks back to her for not having, you know, doing, wearing the dress code, they give her a diaper to wear. It's just, it's a little, it's a little wild. I mean, I've never, I've never participated in anything like this. I, I know there's a huge tradition for it at some of the universities and some of the departments, like, here. But uh, I've never, I've only seen people, like, walk by with that stuff. But never, ne- I've never participated in it. So, to me, this is... Always, every single movie who talks about hazing, I always find it so fascinating in the most ridiculous way. <laughs> oh yeah, we used to have in because um, I did public services, which is basically where you go to college and you're trained to go in the police or the or the armed services. And our punishment was that you had to be handcuffed to a log if you kept screwing up, and you had to carry your log around with you for like the whole day. And you see people just walking around with this fucking log. <laughs> This this apparently was our this was our justified treatment because when you get into these situations you accept what it is because it's passed down from you know class generation to class generation so you accept your punishment is to carry this log around and you don't really uh, think about these things so it as I say it's really when you have these sort of like um, as you said these hazing se- sequences because it's not enough just to cover these students in blood and that but they have like parties where they cover them like in yellow and blue paint and force them to uh make out this cupboard and not allow them to come out into their green which i thought was kind of funny as well <laughs> not so funny with what happens with that scene but <laughs> oh no <laughs> but 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 I think it's just, you know, I think at one point, it's also the fact that, you know, it, it, the, the hazing also pushes her to kind of this new extreme because it's it's somehow, it's not only the fact that Justine is is now embracing this desire to eat meat and mostly it's raw meat and she has these almost addict type of, like drug addict type of responses as she's like shivering under her blankets she seems to be having some funky i don't know if it's hallucinations or something i don't even know like whatever was hitting her in her blanket was that real or fake anymore and then you have this and then you have her shaking and she's just in like she looks like she's in like cold sweat and whatnot and then at the same time it it almost feels like this environment is changing her at the same time because she's never it seems like she's been under a close eye by her parents and right now she's not the this goody two-shoes she's kind of like embracing this new environment where you know people around her can are are just doing these extreme acts of you know making out and then you're 
and all these things that she's never done before, pretty much. I know what you mean, and it's also interesting when we look at the school environment. The fact that the teachers don't, the teachers or lecturers, whatever way you want to call them, uh, pay no sort of like dividends to like any of these hazy rituals that are going on. They seem to care more about the uh, the, the the not the top students, but the what the ones who are sort of struggling to stay at the school. Those are the ones that they seem to care more about. So the fact that she's going through all these like different experiences and she's clearly. Uh, having some issues just gets completely overlooked because she's the top student and after you see just her sort of like status in the school is really established when we have like that first meeting with the uh the elder professor and i have to say it was nice to see albert einstein getting some work again so <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's she as i said she gives into like uh, these cravings to be pretty easily i have to say i mean she gets taken out for shawarma with by with by a group um by a gay roommate and i, I really thought that they were going somewhere special because it's on the bus and it's sort of like oh we're gonna do this we're gonna do this properly and he just takes it to like a service station to go and eat like shawarma meat and it's like or they what? meet this creepy truck driver you know like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the creepy truck driver's deal was. It was the most no. confusing scene ever. Well, they're talking about... Th this is the thing, because her roommate's talking about them selling booze at the service station. And he philosophizes that in the, one of the many bizarre philosophies that go around, because we have a whole one about the link between men having sex with monkeys and AIDS, and then we have this theory about how these truckers use pig's blood uh, to you know bypass um the drink driving restrictions and that so this trucker he seems to come over and i thought that he'd overheard their conversation about them basically saying that all these truckers are just drunks because he talks about this pig in his cab while at the same time he seems to be trying to hit on the roommate for whatever reason then he just walks off it's like the most random scene <laughs> yeah and Oh my goodness! It was it was just it was so. It, there is a lot of random stuff, but at the same time, these people are all kind of a bit creepy. <laughs> like, mm. Everyone's a little weird. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, but I think one of the, I think one of the biggest. I think one of the two biggest relationships in this thing is really her connection. Obviously, her dynamic with her sister, which, which really evolves, especially you know she you know spoiler alert I guess. That she eats, she eats her sister's finger. So it's oh, yeah. I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't like just turn on her sister. We let's have a little context to this. Um, yeah, her sister, who's sort of like more worldly, she's more of the the rebel. I mean, she's already in the university system, and her sister Alexa is played by Ella Rumpuff, who is just absolutely gorgeous, and she's basically trying to help her sister. You know, break away from the control of her parents and discover who she is as a person so there's we have this scene where she's trying to uh, give her a bikini wax and needless to say it goes a bit south when uh, she, she get, manages to get the wax stuck and um in trying to remove it with scissors manages to get her own finger cut off um which uh, only on watching on this time did i realize how fake her hand looks <laughs> but we'll look past that um but yes while waiting for the ambulance justine decides that she gets a sudden craving to eat her sister's finger which uh 
Yeah, I have to say, I think it was up there with like the scene in Kronos where he licks blood off the toilet floor. It's that, awa- that awakening know. of I, new the, tastes. The scene is more messed up than it's disgusting. Like I didn't think it was as as much disgusting as it was just as it was just completely crazy, you know. And then you have this. <laughs> And then you have like you know you're just waiting for the moment for for Alexia to wake up and see her doing this right and the reaction that she would have. Yeah, it's. I mean, even when we're in the hospital, because our parents like obviously come to the to the hospital to deal with the fact that one of their one of their children has lost a finger and it's been eaten by the other one. And they have this whole conversation, like Alexa's explained to her parents that her sister ate it, but the parents aren't phased at all. No, they're saying the dog the... ate it. No, she says that she says that her sister ate it. No, she says that the dog ate it. Does she? Said... Yeah, she I'm says sure that, that Quickie she's... ate it. And Quickie is oh, the dog. Oh, I thought she... See, this is why I mistook what I said. I thought that she... <laughs> she was like saying she ate it quickly. So, never mind. Ignore me. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the dog, the dog ate it, and that's why they have the whole t- context about her texting her about the dog being put down. Right. Yeah, okay. later they had a conversation about the dog being put down because of, because uh, once you taste human meat, you have to, you know, you have to get rid of the dog because, you know, they're, they're going to want to eat again, which is pretty much hint, hint to the, you know, the daughter. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's yeah. really, I think this is really the sort of turning point, though, where... Justy makes this leap, so it's no longer just about consuming meat. And and in, and when we're talking about her consuming meat, I mean it's like this cannibalistic lust. She's eating raw chicken. She's just eating like shawarma meat. She's just like shoveling it into her mouth. Like it's like the greatest thing on earth. It's like this uncontrollable lust to sort of consume flesh that she has and really with her eating the finger that's her taking that like big step into like the forbidden territory and finally giving into her true urges and it's also at this point that we find out that her sister is exactly the same that uh, both sisters have got this cannibalistic uh, lust for human flesh uh, which they satisfy by basically staging car crashes. <laughs> that's that's what the that's what the sister's been doing, right? Yes, yeah, so by doing and that and that and that's really smart because the movie starts with a car crash, and we we were wondering like when the movie starts, you wonder why that was important, and then obviously when we get to the scene where the sister takes her out and then stages this car crash, everything kind of pieces back together. Yeah, it's definitely it's one of those great moments in in cinema where you can look at a scene one way and then come back around and see it a completely different way. We saw it in Gone Girl, we've seen it in um, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind, and we saw it in Pulp Fiction with the opening um, heist on the on the diner. We see this couple initially introduced, and then we see it from the perspective of Jules and Vincent. So it's really interesting when a director can obviously take a scene and then give us a completely different perspective just by coming back to it. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was, it was certainly a unique way rather than, you know, the usual way these things go where they sort of play, they prey on derelicts and people who won't be missed. But uh, th- these pair just stage car crashes and then... <laughs> but, 
I mean, yeah, from this point, it's really we have this we have this wonderful sort of like sort of conflict really of where Alexa is trying to get Justine to give in to her sort of cravings and Justine at the same time is still trying to hang on to the sort of uh, what society deems as being normal uh, so to speak and trying to fight you know her urge to sort of eat flesh yeah but I mean like oh I, I gotta say that one of the most disgusting scenes wasn't even eating flesh and I think it's just because I have long hair that it makes me cringe <laughs> so much more. I've been and- waiting to see which one, which one they said. Because when we were, we went back and forth this week, you were like, "Oh my god, there's a scene which totally skipped me out." And I've been like dying to know which scene it was. Now it so. was it was a scene. She was having a conversation with a professor, and the professor was being an yeah. ass. And he was like, he was like, "Oh, I only care about the crap students type of thing, and I don't care about the top students and blah blah blah." You know that sort of conversation. Yeah. And then she just starts like eating her hair type of thing, and then you wonder. Her hair is still intact from the scene, but how is there so much in her body, right? And then she's just pulling it out, like you're pulling it out of a drain. Like, when I clean my bathtub's drain, that's what happens, you know? <laughs> and it was just this revolting moment of the sound of it, her pulling it out, and like the, everything combined. It just goes it was, on and on, doesn't it? It's yeah, like a clown scarf. Yeah, and it was going scarf. on and on, and I had to stop it as like... I had to cover my face at a certain point, and I was just like, I was just listening to the sounds, and it was still so disgusting. And then I told my husband, I was like, "Look, you got to tell me when this stops because I can't watch this right now. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna like, that's it." <laughs> you know. Ah, oh, it's um. That scene was was the worst in the entire movie. Like, there were some disgusting scenes, but that scene like topped it. Oh, that's yeah. It. And I think it's what you said. It's it's because it feels like it's endless, and you and you wonder how much hair you know. Like I mean, that <laughs> amount of hair is how much I pull out of my drain after like what six months or more. You know, like that's it that's came wild. out of completely out of nowhere that sequence. Though, and I w- I'm still not sure whether, what if this is all in their head or what's going on. But yeah, this. <sighs> Do you just see think... her pulling like strand after strand? It's just I... and it's just like this slimy, clumpy mess. It's like yeah. ah. I don't ah. think that it's me- it's 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 fake or anything. I think that she was. It's it's a nervous reaction. Like she's she's just having this biting urge, mm. but she's not eating like you know obviously what she craves. So she's just as she's getting nervous, she's biting her hair because I don't think it's the professor that's you know ticking her off so much as the fact that at that point she was having these wild urges that she couldn't figure out and and it was just kind of like a reflex in her that she was doing this yeah definitely so um <laughs> but yeah i mean I, I don't know i mean <laughs> i don't want to keep talking about this hair scene this is gonna make me want to throw up <laughs> i can vividly a- remember it in my mind right now <laughs> I have to say though, I mean, obviously we have these these very bloody and disgusting sort of sequences, but at the same time, it's not shot in like an overly grotesque or voyeuristic yeah. way. It's a very engrossing film to watch, and it's certainly one which moves at very interesting paces. I think because it's not just a body horror film, it's got these elements of a psychological thriller. This there's so many more elements at play here it's not just about let's see how we can discuss the audience it's really about someone discovering themselves and going on this sort of like 
pet this this journey, even though it's obviously a journey of like cannibalistic lust. Um, it was just so interesting. I think also the fact that you have this sister there, who's kind of like uh, leading the way, it made me think a lot of Ginger Snaps in that way. And the fact that you got like the one sister embraces her lichen sort of side, and you got the other sister who's trying to follow suit uh but obviously not as as into it as the older sister is and i think we see this again with the relationship between justin and alexa where you've got one who just like is completely happy with their with their urges and you've got the other one who's still struggling to come to terms with what they are but I think that, you know, one of the ba- main turning points and the differences between the two sisters is the different stages of where they are in their cannibalistic lust uh, urges, obviously. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, Alexia, she's had time to embrace this. And because she's had the freedom of being away from her parents and all those things, she's she's able to kind of, she's found a way to deal with them. And that's obviously what we talked about is staging these car crashes. But at the same time, by the end of the movie, you really feel like she's, kind of losing control a little bit. She's, she doesn't have the control that Justine has. And Justine, you know she has a control because, I mean, she's feeling this kind of attraction to her roommate, who she knows is gay. But, uh, <laughs> but, but is it attraction... But is this attraction sexual or is it as a lunch option? But that's the thing is, first of all, you <laughs> at the beginning you think that it's a lunch option, right? But as you move through the movie, you realize that I feel like she has a little bit of restraint because she's able to confide in him uh, about her situation, obviously. And that's how we get into this crazy sex scene where she she kind of she's able to stop herself. Obviously, he's trying to stop her, but she's able to stop herself and to not harm him. She has this mentality in her to not harm him. She knows to not harm him, and she'll harm herself instead. And I think that that's a big difference between, say, her character versus Alexia's character, where she's okay, Alexia's okay with harming other people in order to, you know, <laughs> deal with the to to, yeah. to you know just to eat other people, and you know that's uh, and staging those car crashes is what happens. She eats the people that are in the crash. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But I mean, like all this. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know how much more we can talk about this. But at, 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 I mean, if you think about it, this all leads back to kind of the final conversation that Justine has, right? And this all this all comes into perspective when when you know she gets she gets back home. She's talking to you know, her parents again. She that sort of thing. And then we have this final conversation and this conversation really puts into perspective of why they're like that obviously and at the same time it's it it kind of brings it all together, I think. Um yeah. not only just the Justine situation but also the differences between Justine and Alexia. Definitely so. I think that by the time we get into that final scene or final twist whatever way you want to sort of view this um that it really sort of becomes clear what this family is all about mm-hmm. and the fact that this isn't something that has been brought on by you know just just the hazing um at, at school and the fact that they were raised as vegetarians this is something that runs a lot deeper in the family um and i think it was just that that last scene it just brings it all together 
because before yeah. it's it, we, the whole way through it, we've been on this sort of like journey with these two sisters, and you think that maybe this is like the rebellion about how they were were raised, um, and then we get to that sort of final scene, and it's suddenly like it all comes into perspective. What I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna lie though; I kind of suspected it. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I did suspect it at one point because oh, dad was them. a little bit weird <laughs> the entire, like at the first scene Yeah, that I had a feeling something was going wrong with the family that when the sister came out that, you know, when we realized that Alexia was also the same, I had little suspicions in my head that this would be kind of like the final twist that they would do. But I wasn't, you know, obviously the movie does a really good job of kind of like leading you along. And not really giving you that, you know, kind of giving you that moment to really take it in in the last moment. Yeah, definitely so. Um, but I think this is a, was a very exciting debut uh, film and one that I'm still waiting for her to, to, to follow up. I mean, she's really at the moment just been mainly doing um, sort of script consultant work because um, obviously she followed this up with A Taste of Ink where she was just the uh, script consultant so we yet to see her re- return to the director's chair but hopefully we will see something come from her soon because it it's certainly got a very unique vision and uh, definitely is a talent that I would love to see you know see what else that she has to offer really yeah I mean if you look at IMDB uh, uh, Julia Ducarno has has a pre-production project right now called uh, Titan. So I don't know what that means. Um, but yeah, so Titan, I guess. And then you... And it was scripted for 2020, but it's in pre-production, which means, you know, it's not. <laughs> and mm-hmm. with the state of the world right now, I'm pretty sure it's going to be in that stage for a little while longer. Um, although, you know, I don't know how France is doing in this whole situation, so haven't been that up-to-date with the world situation. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see like what voice she has for other movies. Um, because a movie like this, I mean, she she does everything for it. I mean, she's not only the director, but she's also she also does the script for this one. And I honestly think it was great on both parts, both the directing and both, you know, the use of, you know, lighting, use of cinematography. And kind of just the ambience of the whole film really comes together with the whole, the dialogues and how, you know, you have those creepy scenes where she's just, uh, like, Justine is just standing around, music around her, you know, the red lighting and that, that sort of stuff. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, that really brings me to one final point of, of did you see that person? The, the girl licking the guy's eyeballs that was really weird <laughs> uh, this there's a lot of weird stuff when we get exactly. into, when we have like the underground rave sort of sequence that they're having and it's this this just randomness throughout this film especially whenever it goes into like a hazing sort of sequence and and stuff that's just like the most random things that these newbies are put through by the uh the elders. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine it's pretty shitty. To, uh, I have to like question: is is it how easy it is to try and drag a mattress upstairs wearing high heels? Oh, I'm sure it's really hard. 
this is this is like takes us back to like when we did the uh, commentary for um, Jurassic World, and we were, <laughs> we were questioning whether you can run in high hills. I mean, now here we see obviously Justine dragging a mattress up uh, up the stairs and hills, and I just was looking at it, it's like just kick the bloody shoes off. <laughs> She's this stuff. She can barely walk in these things. So to try and drag a mattress up the stairs, it just, uh, just. Ludicrous. But it's, it's like for her. I just find it's it's the roughest start ever to the thing. Like you're hazing, your mattress gets thrown out of your window every day. You have to go and pick it up every single day. Yeah. And then you go in, and then your roommate's having this, you know, blowjob session, and you're just standing there, trying helplessly. Oh my goodness! It's just it's 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 just. <laughs> yeah, I love the fact he does it in the hallway. He doesn't go to his room to to get this spontaneous blowjob sequence. Um, right in front of the door. Yeah, he just right in front of the door because apparently he wants an audience. But it's still like you inconsiderate ass. Go get head in your room, <laughs> not in the bloody communal area. Ah, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. Really, I really, really like Raw. I think it's a really fantastic film that you should definitely check out. Don't watch the trailer because that'll probably put you off like it did for myself for like the longest time. I saw the trailer and was like, well, that just looks absolutely disgusting. And then I started hearing a lot of good buzz from it and people like Mark Mode uh, named it one of his best films, the best film of 2017. And I finally checked it out and um, I think it's absolutely an astonishing film and I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it as well, Kim. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I am pretty open-minded about a lot. It's not like I haven't liked body horror movies before. I don't have those those issues and boundaries. I know, I but that, it's like whenever you... know, you... like, I think that it, it's interesting because Raw is, is, like it's, you know, like we've been talking about, it's a lot more deeper. It's, it's, I like movies that are very psychological about, like, her derailing and just everything. And plus the fact that there are some truly disgusting scenes. But at the same time... What could have been, like, a lot of the cannibalistic scenes was really not as bloody as other, probably other people would have done it as. And I think it's really just to bring out the context. And they, you know, obviously they have those, like, squishy eating sounds and stuff like that. Mm. But it's it's more in the sound effects than the actual visual that we see a lot of blood and a lot of gore or something like that. And I think that, you know... To be able to do a body horror that is as effective as it is, but still be able to, you know, consider yourself in that, but still, but still, you know, be able to deliver something a little bit deeper. I think that that's, that's pretty good. And I mean, I've obviously, I've never watched anything else by this director and it'll be interesting to see where she goes from here. You know, once a pandemic is over, when everybody gets back to normal and starts releasing movies again. Indeed, indeed, so... Should we get into further viewing them? For sure. Cool. Um, so what would you pair with this, Evanikin? Uh, I mean, the first thing, obviously, I'd go with would be uh, Black Fawn Films and uh, Bite, which is a... Give me a second. I just want to get the thing. Yeah, so this uh, the one that I would pair up with would be um, another body horror, which is... Uh, Black, by Black Fawn Films, which are one of the you know Canadian companies that I support a lot, and um, Bite is really a movie that kind of pays homage to Cronenberg's Fly. Okay. Um, 
but it it is very fun it i mean not fun because i mean people who are watching it at fantasia kind of they gave you like barf bags they would probably told the story another (laughs) yeah they gave you barf bags and then we had an ambulance that there were like paramedics that came that took people two people away i think so it was interesting (laughs) it was memorable screening for sure (laughs) Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, Bite is, it is very, very disgusting. Um, not as revolting as the hair scene in this one, but I just feel like maybe it's just a time and day issue. Maybe if I watched it today, I would feel like Bite is disgusting. I don't know. Mm. Um, but no, that scene is also a, um, a girl, you know, who goes to Cuba and then she, she gets bitten by something and she starts changing. So, uh, it's an interesting movie. It's one that, you know, I, I, it's not, it's not perfect but i think it executes that body horror element really really well um i mean other than that i would uh for the hazing element of this i would say uh 2018's pledge is really good okay Uh, yeah which is a movie about pretty much you know like these um these kids start this new school and then they try to want to get into this um this kind of this you know those college houses right (laughs) frat houses or whatever and then they get into this it's kind of also a social club that they want to get into this these very very edgy guys (laughs) and then they realize that when they get invited when they go to this invitation in this house that obviously the initiation to be part of this club is a lot more a lot darker and sinister than they imagined type of thing um, it's pretty intense film. I don't know if they actually released it widely. Um, I also saw this one in Fantasia, so I'm not sure. I feel like they would have released it, but I don't know. Maybe it's... I don't know if it was in theaters or not. Um, and my final one is um, something of a body horror, but it's uh, a German... It's a German drama more than horror, but it has that body transformation element uh, called it's called Blew My Mind, and it's pretty much a German mermaid movie about a girl who starts realizing that she's transforming into a mermaid. So she has like her skin is peeling, her legs are transforming, and that sort of thing. Um, it's a very very interesting movie experience. <laughs> cool, very exciting stuff. Um, for myself, I mean, obviously, if you wanted to do the pledge route, I mean, I would recommend checking out Goat. Uh, which is sort of like an expose um, and, and takes a very critical stance against uh, frat house um, hazing. It uh, follows a group of, uh, of freshmen attempting to uh, get into one of the frat houses and the horrible, horrible pledging uh, thing that they go through. Um, as for sort of like more body horror, I mean, obviously, it would be wrong not to recommend a Cronenberg movie, and I'm going to recommend. Um, Dead Riggers, which sees Jeremy Irons playing identical twin gynecologists. It's one of his more lighter films, especially in terms of body horrors. I mean, obviously, the most obvious one would be to like go with something like Raybeard, or we go with The Fly if we went to go really extreme. But I think Dead Ringers is more in tune with this film. Um, and I'd also recommend checking out, uh, we've always mentioned Ginger Snaps already. Again, it's that similar sister relationship we see with this film. Um, 
we see in Ginger Snaps with the two Lycanthorp uh, sisters. And uh, finally, I want to recommend checking out the Soska sisters American Mary um, about a medical student who finds herself becoming an underground surgeon of choice in the body modification um, community as she takes on the body modifications of the weird and wonderful clientele of the club that she initially auditions to be a dancer for but soon becomes their in-house surgeon of choice um i think american mary is still an absolute stand-up movie for the Soska sisters even though they've recently suffered some controversy with their uh career choices should we say um but um certainly in terms of as filmmakers i mean dead hooker in a trunk was a very exciting debut and certainly their adaptation of rabbit was uh, very interesting as well so but um american mary is still their sort of stand-up movie and i would say it pairs very well with this film um on very on quite a few levels but uh, those will be my picks but this brings us to the end of another edition of Movies and Tea. Thank you, as always, for listening. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to yourself. Uh, if you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us, and maybe leave us a review, as it all helps raise the profile of the show. You can follow us on both on Facebook and Instagram, and you can also check out our full archive of episodes at moviesandteapodcast.wordpress.com which not only has all our episodes on there but also has other fun pieces of writing as well as our Friday Film Club where each Friday myself and Kim both pick a film sometimes a theme sometimes it's not either way it's a chance for us to explore the movies that we love a bit more uh, but Kim where are we going next? We're taking things much more lighthearted. <laughs> Staying in the same year of the Raw's release, um, we're going for a teenage coming-of-age comedy drama uh, called a little film called The Edge of Seventeen, um, directed by Kelly Fremont Craig and starring Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, uh, Edge of Seventeen, a real surprising breakout hit, especially in the coming-of-age drama. Here we obviously have the unique uh, stance of having a female-fronted uh, lead as well, um, joining Booksmart as one of the more interesting coming-of-age uh, films of recent years and proving that the ladies were just as capable as the boys were, of proving engaging journeys into uh, the wilderness years. But uh, all that's to come on our next episodes. But thank you as always for listening. Thank you to my co-host Kim. And uh, we'll be back next time to talk about The Age of 17. Good night. Thank you.